This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Right circle, Hayskin at right point, Klingberg shoots, blocked, it's out of the zone, it's in the neutral zone, eight seconds left, Buckley Goodrow after it, time ticks down, the Lightning win the Stanley Cup, they have reached the top of the mountain, they are the Stanley Cup champs. Wow. That's all I can say is wow. What a job by these guys. It was a great job by those guys. Of course, that was Dave Michigan and Phil Esposito on the Stanley Cup clinching call, which you heard right here on Lightning Power Play. It's the off-season edition. We've been here for you throughout, even during the pandemic. Boy, you know, when you think about it, Greg Lanelli here along with Dave Michigan and Steve Ersnick. When you think about it, we were, what, on the airwaves, Steve, for however long everybody was off. <laughs> we were talking hockey and coming up with different scenarios. Dave, at the time, you were a frequent guest, and I remember you and I would sit down or, well, we wouldn't sit down because we didn't actually see each other face to face. We chatted <laughs> on the phone and we were like, we have seen each other a total of five minutes. We have at the celebration after the cup at Emily arena. You came with your wife, we Annie, did. and we saw each other for about five minutes, which was that's great, which was a good five minutes in person. In We've person. done a little zoom, but I remember but that's it. You know, when people were like, well, what did you talk about during that time? And I said, well, look, you come up with topics. Some of it was speculating on, you know, a, would the league come back? B, what would the scenarios be like? I remember one of the big talking points, Dave, that we had uh, at the time. It was Eric and I doing it was just, you know, the NHL thinking outside the box to take advantage of the opportunity when they do come back. And what were some of the things that they could have done? And we had discussed different camera angles or miking the players during the game to get a little bit more of the shock value and you know actually you know thinking about it looking back I mean the biggest thing that the lightning or that the the league did was creating the bubble and that was kind of the thinking outside the box I mean it wasn't there wasn't anything really at least in terms of the product you saw on the ice minus no fans the game was still the same but having the bubble and then I think expanding the playoffs the way they did having those preliminary rounds where it was essentially playing games kind of had that college basketball feeling to it i think you probably have to give the the league i know a, a lot of people want to talk about pulling it off not having any positive tests but you know again this kind of all ties back to what the heck did you guys talk about during that time when they were off and one of the things that we discussed was just thinking outside the box you know, come to think of it, the, the NHL did a, as well as you could have in terms of thinking outside the box without ruining the integrity of the game. And I think that's probably just as amazing compared to no positive tests in the bubble. Well, the whole thing came off splendidly. There's no question. But I want to circle back to, to what you said, which is, people were asking you, how did you fill the time? And and hats off to you and Eric, man, because you did the heavy lifting. I mean, I kind of came in beginning of June, and at that point we were starting to see light at the end of the tunnel in terms of possibility that things were going to start up again. And then we had actual 
info relating to that. But boy, from the, the point of the pause through the end of March, April, and May, hats off to you and Eric. And by the way, we're going to have Eric on tomorrow. Yeah. As he did a uh, an in-depth interview with Steven Stamkos, which is really enlightening as he's releasing it in parts on his website, lightninginsider.com. So looking forward to, to catching up with Eric. We will catch up with him tomorrow. We've got a lot to get to today, but we've got a very special guest on the line, and we appreciate him making time for us today, and that would be Lightning defenseman Ben Thomas joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Greg Linelli along with Dave Mishkin. Ben, first off, man, uh, welcome to the program. Congratulations on the new contract. I've got to think with some uncertain times going on in the world today, knowing that you're going to be back with an organization you know pretty well, that has to be a, a pretty good feeling. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great feeling. You know, I've just been kind of at home here for the last little while. Uh, no one's really sure, sure what's going on exactly in terms of, of next season, but, uh, you know, I was able to, to sign back with Tampa, and I, I couldn't be happier. So playing in Syracuse, your season ended when everyone else's did in, in March and the AHL did not come back for any kind of a playoff. So now we're into October. This is the longest that you've gone that you can remember without playing hockey? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I can't remember the last time I've had a, an off season this long. Um yeah, like I said, you know, I've just been at home kind of waiting around uh, for word what's going to happen. But, uh, you know, it, it's nice to have that time home and, and time with the family and uh, time to regroup. But, uh, yeah, it's it's been a real long time. So uh, looking forward to get back, getting back at it. Ben Thomas joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Ben, I think you're a guy that a, a lot of lightning fans have heard a lot of bouts you know they, they've watched you whether down at syracuse or you know rookie camps training camps and i think you've always been somebody that's been on the radar as somebody who could come up here and especially being a, a right-handed shot that could come in and fill a certain role um you have a lot of games down at the ahl do you feel like you know this is not a make or break year for you but kind of a show me year for you that you do well Lightning have lost a couple of players on the back end of free agency that if you do your job and, and do it well, that there's an opportunity for you to crack the lineup and, and see where you go from there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, every year you want to do well, and, and this is an important year for me too. And uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've played a lot of games down in the American League. I've had a lot of time to develop and, and work on my game and figure stuff out. And uh, I feel like I'm ready for, for the next step. And uh, I guess it's just on me to, uh, you know, show what I can do to just play my game. We have talked a lot in our program about the Lightning's ability to develop prospects. And it obviously involves the coaching staff in Syracuse. And we've talked about Barb Underhill and the impact she has had on Lightning players in terms of their skating. Stacy Roost as well as a guy who's overseeing the prospects once they've been drafted. What has your experience been like just in terms of the help that the Lightning have given you to help you grow as a player, whether it's the coaches in Syracuse 
or Stacy or Barb or whatever you can tell us about how that experience has been for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing from day one, when I got here, uh, I just, I kind of felt like, um, they, they just really care about their prospects and, and about your development. And, uh, when I first got in the organization, Stacy was, uh, the player development guy. So he would come and, and visit uh, all the prospects and work with them and check up on them and, and always made, made sure you had what you needed. And, um, you know, asked how, how we were doing all the time. And, uh, I think just, just making you feel like you're a part of the team and a part of the organization and, uh, so many different people, uh, like Barb Hill, like Underhill, like you said, Jamie Heffernan, like all those guys, uh, that'll help you in, in different aspects of your game. So, um, yeah, I think for sure though, all those, all those different people really, uh, you know, make you feel feel like you're on the right path and and uh, really help you work on your game and I think they've been a huge help for me the last uh, four years with Tampa Ben you mentioned you know just play your game what is your game when things are clicking to give our our, our audience an, an idea of you know what your makeup and and what you bring to the table and have you had those conversations with the organization about you know what are the expectations this year for you as a guy who's been in uh, the system for a little bit now um yeah i mean for me i think i'm a i'm a good skater i've got uh pretty good skills and um i'm good at moving the puck so i think you know i i can play different roles and and uh i think when, when i'm on my game i'm just moving the puck well and and able to make some plays offensively and, and pretty solid defensively too so um yeah, I think just uh, probably a good all-around guy, and uh, yeah, not not too many discussions uh, about that. Just you know, play my game, uh, show what I can do when I come in. You mentioned the the long break since you last played a game, and, and usually hockey players have a routine during the off season that they follow because you know when the start date is going to be. With this unusual circumstance and situation of it being fluid, how have you handled your training? Have you kind of almost been in a tread water situation and, and waiting for a finite date to start amping up? Or kind of how have you handled this long layoff to, to make sure that you're fit, but also that you're not overdoing it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it was pretty much uh, just like any other summer when, when we started training and then it's just kind of continued and uh, yeah, you got to be careful uh, wearing yourself out because it's been such a long time and the training tends to ramp up a little bit once you get into it. So, you know, taking a week off or, or a few days off here and there is good for the body. But uh, other than that, it's just basically been like any other summer except just uh, extended quite a bit. Ben, last question for me, you know, we've been dealing with this pandemic for a while now. I think a lot of people have become a little more educated on, you know, who it affects and maybe the precautions that you need to take. And now that hopefully the, the next upcoming season will be happening pretty soon, do you feel any differently playing uh, with this still out there in terms of having, you know, fans in the stands, if that happens uh, as a guy who's going to be playing these games and traveling, where's your comfort level with, you know, COVID still out there, but, you know, probably a little more educated on, on what to do. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you can see what the, the professional sports leagues have done and to keep their players safe. And, you know, they've, they've done a really good job. And um, so I, I don't think I have any worries there. And, you know, playing with no fans, uh, I'm not quite sure what that would be like. Uh, it's been a little while since since there's been uh, little to no fans in, in the stands. So, you know, if that if that happens, um, I'm sure the, that uh, the situation will be great for us players and and uh, not too worried about that. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting back into it, you know, no matter what uh, what happens with COVID and what happens with fans and, and stuff like that. I think uh, a lot of guys are just ready to get back at it. Well, Ben, congratulations on the contract. I know you're uh, excited uh, to get back on the ice and show what you can do, and hopefully we'll be talking to you in Tampa Bay at some point, whenever that happens. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for having me. You've Thanks, got Ben. It. That is Ben Thomas, Lightning defenseman, joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. And, you know, Dave, I, I do think there is something to be said for, you know, somebody on a, a one-year contract. We talked about with Kevin Shattenkirk, and Zach Bogosian this past year, I do think part of their success was the fact that they were playing for another contract, maybe whether it was to have a, a better deal or maybe more opportunity, which you correctly, I think, pointed out for a guy like Shattenkirk and I think to a lesser extent Bogosian as well. And I think for a guy like Ben Thomas, who's been in the system for quite some time now, he's at a point at 24 and being a right-handed shot, if he plays well and plays his game, and you heard what he is all about, a, g a good skater and a puck mover, that you know maybe he can find that extra little motivation. Now, he'll be a restricted free agent next year, but still, you want to be in the good graces of the organization. And I think in, in a lot of ways, it's a win-win for both sides. If Ben plays well, the Lightning benefit from his play, and you know obviously vice versa. So... I think it's a situation for Ben that, you know, next year is going to be, I don't want to say make or break, but certainly a very important one for him. You don't need to go into training camp and make the team to eventually be on the team. But I think training camp can be a place, and I'm, I'm saying training camp, I'm including preseason. And again, this is under normal circumstances. So we don't know what it's going to look like. Will there even be a preseason next year? I don't know that. But let's presume that there is a preseason, like it's a normal training camp into a preseason. So we have seen in past years that the training camp into the preseason is an opportunity for guys to elevate their status. And even in kind of a different context, like Bogosian is a really good example of a guy who in the phase three training camp elevated his status, right? And we went into that camp kind of thinking, well, you know, Ruda coming off injury, but he's going to be healthy now, and and we would expect that he and Hedman would be reunited, and Bogosian only had a handful of games with the Lightning before the pause, and boy, did Bogosian come in there and grab that job. He basically, you know, grabbed the brass ring and said, I'm not going to let you not play me, essentially, and he played the majority of the games in the restart, both in Toronto and in Edmonton. So that's that's an example of an experienced guy. But but we have seen players who are prospects come into camp 
and force the organization to take notice. Now, the most glaring example would be Braden Point, who made the team as a 20-year-old, which was not expected, even though as a prospect he was very highly regarded. I don't know that it was expected that he was going to make the team in his first year of eligibility to go to the American Hockey League. But the year before, he had gone deep into camp and had eventually gone back to his junior team in the Western Hockey League. So I look at a player like Ben Thomas and and say, all right, here's a guy who has never played in the NHL to this point in his career. He's not necessarily at the top of the prospect list as far as even right-handed defensemen because we saw that Cal Foote was the guy who, who was brought to participate in phase three, not Ben Thomas. And so he's he's got to nudge his way up to make the organization notice him to the point that, I mean, they notice him. I'm, I'm kind of mangling my words here because clearly they know about him and they gave him a contract extension. But they also have not made him one of their first call-ups either for NHL action or even in phase three. You know what I'm saying? So camp and preseason would be an opportunity for a guy like him or in past years. Matthew Joseph did it in the camp of 2018. I think Volkov has done it in in repeated camps that he's made it to week two before getting sent down. And so even if you don't start the season with the big club, you kind of plant that seed at at camp as if to say, I'm here, I'm ready. So there may not be a spot for me on opening night, but down the road, you now know that you can rely on me to, to come up and have a positive impact on this team. So that's really what I look at a guy like that who's now in you know, his, his fifth pro season coming in. It's time for him to, to force the organization's hand a little bit and, and say, yes, he's going to be part of, of our NHL lineup here even if it's not an opening night at some point down the road this year. This question comes from Pat. He says, do you think we'll sign a fourth-line winger and right defender for league minimum? Even with signing Sergachev and Chernak, we still need one right-handed defenseman. Look, I, I think the the <laughs> that may be on Julian Breezebaugh's list. That's pretty far down the list right now. He's not thinking about adding new players. I mean, look, they brought in some depth for Syracuse, Christopher Gibson, goaltender. They brought in uh, Andres Borgman, a defenseman who played in Toronto a couple of years ago with the Leafs. I think he played about 45 games or so with Toronto. And so they, they've brought in guys as, as depth players who were slated for Syracuse. And again, maybe they, they forced the organization's hand. And like I just said about Ben Thomas – they make their case for for being at the NHL level. But I think at the top of the list certainly is freeing up money. And that's going to that's going to be happening before anybody else is added. So I don't have the answer to that question, but my answer is if that's going to happen, it's not going to happen anytime. Uh, that's going to happen after all this other stuff gets taken care of, which is at a much higher priority right now. And, you know, he mentioned a fourth line forward. I mean, the Lightning have guys that we have talked about in terms of their organizational depth, whether it's Mitchell Stevens or Matthew Joseph 
or Alex Volkov, or even guys like Barry Boulet. These guys have not been in the NHL just yet, but they are, I think, from the organization standpoint, knocking on the door. Barry Boulet. They just re-signed Ross Colton, who's been in Syracuse the last couple of years. Maybe he gets an opportunity. Radish and Kachuk, who were always linked because they were the same draft year and they played in the same junior team at the end of their junior careers, and they turned pro the same time, even though they're not identical players. So it's not like the Lightning, if they're looking to, to fill a fourth-line role, have to go out and bring in somebody new. They may have somebody within the organization, but but I, I repeat myself here. I think that that is secondary to the more urgent issue of let's see if the Lightning can free up some, some money yeah. so they can get these RFAs re-signed, speaking of Sergachev, Sorelli, and Chernak. Yeah, and I don't have a great feel for how many guys they're going to have to trade, Dave, to make all of this happen. I mean, it's pretty clear they're going to have to make one, but you know, it's it's looking more and more like there's going to have to be a couple of guys, and in addition to that, there's probably going to have to be some prospects that go back as well uh, with that veteran player to free up some cap space. So the Lightning can get that salary off the books, but I'm sure that's something right now that Julian Brisewa is working on, and that's part of being a GM, no doubt about it, and this is the difficult part of the job. I want to end the show a little bit with uh, Golden Knights GM Bill Foley, because I think their owner... <laughs> He's Bill our Foley, favorite guy to talk Because I think we week. need to get him on the show. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, he folks, definitely likes to talk, so and maybe, maybe he'd be amenable. You know, maybe next week we'll try and get David Schoen on from the uh, Vegas Review Journal, because we've had him on before. Um, I know I have, and he's, he's very good. But we had told you earlier in the week... And I had teased it, which was funny. I've, I teased it like for two days. That yeah. Basically. We're not um, used to that half an hour. I know, Time is I know, really. Sands running through the hourglass. It's that like, Bill Foley uh, in it's an like interview. the size of a, of a hole on a golf course, not an hourglass, <laughs> right. right? That's right. Um, Steve, I want to see the ratings for the last couple of days to see if people have hung on. But Bill Foley in an interview uh, with the Vegas um, Review Journal, he had hinted that he thinks the league's going to start February 1st and that you're going to see at least 40% capacity when it comes to fans in the stands. Well, I guess he let out a pretty big secret on Wednesday. He was a guest appearance on a, a local radio station, KSHP's Vegas Hockey Hotline, and he was asked about next season and facing defenseman Nate Schmidt, who, of course, they had to trade to free up cap space in part to get Alex Petrolangelo and he was traded to the Canucks and Foley's response was this and apparently it raised a lot of <laughs> eyebrows <laughs> north of the border I'm sure Gary Bettman wasn't too thrilled about this but he said quote yeah but they're going to be playing in the Canadian division <laughs> next year and in the article goes say what <laughs> and it goes on to Bill Foley could have just said, you know, I was listening right. to Power Lunch. Right. And <laughs> Greg and You're Dave right. had Chris Johnston on. Uh, and Chris uh, was talking about how they may have well, to that, put that, you know what? Canadian Actually, division. You know what's funny? And that could have been pure speculation with Chris, although with these national guys, Dave, you, you have a yes. tendency to believe that He's heard something. I would, he's heard, I would yeah. And so when he said something about the the Canadian teams maybe playing one another and that's the whole bubble idea of maybe – you know, scrapping the divisions. Maybe he didn't come out and say that explicitly, but scrapping 
your traditional divisions and having teams who are in close proximity of one another play in a bubble and kind of do it that way, which was something that was discussed possibly. He kind of broke that, if you want to say broke it on our show, you know, at least a month ago. But Foley went on to say, quote, I don't think that border is going to be open before January 1st, meaning obviously the Canadian border, if it's open January 1st. He said they're starting to lock down again. Winnipeg's locking down. Quebec has got spikes going on. I think they're going to be playing a Canadian division. I don't think they're going to be crossing the border, end quote. I like honesty. I like transparency. I understand the league doesn't want to get that out, but Dave, at some point, sooner rather than later, you've got to come out with a plan for next year. And I'm sure the league does. And maybe this is just foreshadowing what's going to happen here in the next week or so. But what did you make of Foley's comments? I know there's a lot to unravel and unpack there. But that kind of makes sense to me. You know, January 1st, I think a lot of people when that initially came out said, eh, I could see that being closer to February. And you and I have discussed the fact that they're going to need fans in the stands to produce revenue. I mean, it's just how it's going to be. 40% seems about right. I don't think they're going to be able to do 82. And this whole Canadian playing in one division, other teams playing in another. Yeah, I, I think we're connecting a lot of dots here. Well, the dots that get connected for me most directly, that's, that's the Canadian division. I guess that's one dot. <laughs> I'm making right. a big mark with that one dot. I don't know that I'm going to connect it to all the other stuff, and I'll, I'll explain why. But the reason for a Canadian division is not in these regional bubble scenarios that Chris was talking about with us. That's that's a different situation entirely. The reason for a Canadian-only division is what you just mentioned or you talked about what Foley mentioned, the border issue. So, like, we had Mitchell Stevens on earlier in the week, and when, when we got him on the phone, he said, yeah, I'm quarantining right now. He's back in Canada, and if you are coming across the border, you have to quarantine for two weeks right now. And that would not make it feasible for – teams to go into Canada to play a game or a Canadian team to come to the U S and then come back to Canada to play a home game. Now that may change. I mean, it's possible. That's a, that's a, a decision by the Canadian government. So it's possible they could relax that standard, but I think the expectation is that, that it's not going to get relaxed. And if that's the case, then the only way to get around it is to have those seven Canadian teams stay in Canada. And so they would just be playing one another. That's why the Blue Jays played in Buffalo for their home games in that shortened baseball season. And there has been talk that the Toronto Raptors would play next year's NBA season in Hartford. And I don't know that to be true. I had heard that. I don't even think I read it, but somebody said that to me that, that I remember hearing. But in baseball, Toronto is the only Canadian franchise. And in the NBA, the Raptors are the only Canadian franchise. So it, it would be easier to just move that team temporarily to a home base in the U.S. And then all of your teams are in the U.S. NHL is different. you got seven Canadian teams. So that part, I can certainly see transpiring whether the league wanted Foley to 
go on the record or not. I have no Heck idea. No. Heck no. He, he did. But we may see that sooner rather than later. Here's the whole January 1, February 1 discussion, though. And we talked about this a little bit earlier in the week, Greg. And, and my point was, look, you want to go later in into the calendar and play fewer games if you can ensure that you have fans in the seats and that will be a better way to max, maximize revenue. Great. But you're going to be offsetting that by f- fewer games on television. So you're going to be losing some revenue theoretically yeah. in, in return. But here's my question. So let's say we're looking at start date January 1 versus start date February 1. What is the advantage of starting a month later? Like you're saying, well, a month later means that maybe you can get fans in the seats. But well, like, how are we sure that February 1 will be any better in that regard? For getting fans in the seats, yeah, are no, we I saying think... that we we need a vaccine. Are we saying we need therapeutic treatments? Yeah, that that will ensure that people can attend games. So I think safely with peace of mind. And do we know that that's going to happen between January one and February? Of course, 1? you not. know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I'm not, not certain that 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 we know in the month of January See, enough is going to change that it would make sense to start a month. Later. It doesn't. I I would start. Look, I'm the commissioner. I would start January 1st, and I would have fans in the stands. That's just me. And, and to your point, no, we don't know if anything is going to be different. I think they come back with fans in the stands. I, I think they have to. I think it's economically, I don't want to say feasible, but it's a must if they want to continue on this path of growing revenues and growing the game. I, I mean, it's pretty – reading the tea leaves, it, it's, it's not something they can sustain doing what they did in the playoffs for a full year. And I, I don't think that was the the suggestion. Now, what I do think, and I, I was thinking about this the other day, I do think if you, you sit there and say we want fans in the stands, one of the biggest concerns I think a lot of businesses have and other places of work when they allow people to come back to work if they wanted to, whether it's a couple of days a week or whether it's five days a week, is that a lot of lawsuits happen during this time where Let's face it, businesses want to protect themselves. They don't want to be the ones that say, if you come into the place of work and you get COVID a couple of days later, well, that employee can come back and say, well, I got it at work and then sue the heck out of you and get millions and millions of dollars in a lawsuit. So I think the league is going to have to figure it out. And look, Gary Bettman's a lawyer. He's got really smart people around him. Do fans have to sign waivers to get into arenas because i think to me dave that's almost a bigger roadblock than i don't want to say having a vaccine but i think we we are as i said to ben thomas i think we're better educated about dealing with covid a bit but i think you know always comes down to money i think the league and these teams have to protect themselves that okay yeah let's open things up we need the money but we also need to make sure that the fans are on board with this. And if that's the case, if they are, let's make sure everybody's protected. And, and maybe these fans have to sign a waiver. And yeah, I mean, there is it. a liability element. Like if you go on the ice, I think for an intermission event, like you're going to wear a helmet, certainly. But I'm sure I've never done it. I'm in the press box, but I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that there is a liability right. waiver that you, you do sign. And, you know, you, you have a point about. You know, the the teams want to protect themselves, certainly. 
but they also want the fans to be safe. Sure. I mean, I don't think it's only about, you know, protecting themselves from from a potential lawsuit. And so the question remains, I kind of circle back to it, how can you have fans in the building and even if it's not 100%, like it's 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 a situation where the people who are attending are confident that they can go and enjoy a night out. Yes. And not and not catch this disease. And that's so and I don't know how you how you crack that nut, but that's they're not going to be the only league to have to figure it out because the NBA is going to be in the same boat, and you know to an extent baseball is baseball is going to be moving toward the start of their next season, and they are going to also be in the same boat to to try and figure it out. I mean, maybe there is a way, and again, I'm I'm speaking a little bit out of ignorance here because I'm not entirely certain, but. If there is a rapid test that is developed to the point that you could literally, as you're going in like for a bag check, get a test and you get a response virtually immediately, is it possible within the next three to four months we could have something like that? Yeah. So that you are ensuring that people are testing negative when they're going in? Maybe, but does that mean that they aren't still carrying it? You know, like I don't know enough about it to, to be sure. able to say if you're testing negative, that means that you can't you can't actually be contagious, think, even though you have it. Like, so I think that these are all questions they need to they need to figure sure. out. And I'm sure, but I have. mean, a vaccine would 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 solve it. Certainly, I think maybe I shouldn't say solve it, but a vaccine would be a huge breakthrough. Therapeutic treatments that would give people confidence that they could be treated. If if they get COVID and have complications, and I don't think we're there yet, but you know I think that progress is being made from everything that I have read in that regard. Or if there's a way to ensure that everyone is coming into your building is testing negative, and I don't know how you would do that short of having these rapid tests. And those are just there are three items off the top of my head, which is way out of my you know level of knowledge or expertise. So I'm just spitballing here. But I think these are questions that the NHL and all the other sports leagues have to have to come up with a solution for in conjunction with opening their doors to get fans in the seats. And let me be very clear. The people who are going to line up to go to these games are the ones that are willing to take that risk. I mean, they're just you're not going to get if you are hesitant at all, you're not you're not lining up to go to a game. It's you're going to the and I think those are the people that would sign whatever they need to sign. And, you know, maybe they'll get tested on the spot. I think we're going to continue to see temperature checks at the gates for sure. I don't think that goes away anytime soon, at least not until a vaccine. Here's the other question. This might be for another show, Dave. Vaccine comes out. Are you asking people if they have been vaccinated to let them in? That opens up a whole yeah. can of worms, but you know we're in some crazy times here, and I'm wondering if that's something down the road. My unprofessional opinion would be I don't think you can do that, but these are private leagues too, and they can do what they want. And uh, if you're a paying customer and you want to go, how upfront do you have to be with any type of testing or vaccination that you've had? And I think that is also an interesting topic. Well, I will end on a positive note. And and this is how I feel. I don't have any evidence to 
to back this up with. Is but... Bill Foley on the line? <laughs> <laughs> He's very optimistic, too. He's just saying we're going to start is. in February. He starts February. That's right. Uh, I think it's going to work itself out. Yes. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I do think that we're going to find our way through this, both in terms of sports and and the world at large. Uh, and, and that's my belief. But I don't know how we're going to get there, which is kind of how we dug in here in the last 15 or 20 minutes or so, which is interesting to think about and and talk about. And these are really tough problems that require difficult solutions and not easy solutions. But I think with the passage of time, we will get there. It it just may take a little bit longer than all of us want it to take. Let's go to the phone lines. That was a pretty positive. I thought so. Yeah, for sure. Let's let's go to the phone lines. Bill Foley's on the line. <laughs> Bill, welcome. What else do you have for us here? <laughs> I think you know what if we got now tell me if we got Bill Foley on the show. Well, he next would be week, able to tell us about how Vegas is planning to handle incredible. the forty percent capacity. Somehow how they are going to ensure. <laughs> I wonder if the league's going to say, "Hey, Bill, uh, no more phone interviews for the next two or three weeks. Why don't we kind of <laughs> let somebody else handle those?" But that would be pretty fun. Maybe we'll have Dave Schoen on uh, later on. But these are all questions. Hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. Uh, if the season were to start in January, if the season were to start in February, and there's a lot of moving pieces, would you want to go and be in attendance, especially that first game at home when you would think the Lightning are raising that banner? We'll talk more about that uh, possibly tomorrow and then obviously next week. Dave, thank you. Appreciate it. Good stuff, Greg. A lot of talk fun to you there. tomorrow. You got it. Thanks to uh, Steve Ersick. Thanks to Ben Thomas. We always appreciate uh, when we have a guest on. And thanks to you for listening. Hit us up on Twitter again, at Bolts Radio. I'm Greg Linnelli. It's Lightning Fireplay.